When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. You need to be logged in right here to Wrestling Inc. across the YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, or Periscope at this time to talk pro wrestling like only myself and my partner in crime can do it. I'm Justin Labar here on the East Coast and out on the West Coast is my boy from Forbes.com. He is the one and the only Alfred Cunnell. Alfred, good evening. Good evening. How's it going, Justin? Good to be back. Good to be here. Uh, Talking Dynamite. Talking Dynamite, uh, an interesting Dynamite episode. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those ones where you either really liked it or you really didn't. Uh, so it's going to be a polarizing episode, I feel, so we'll jump into that. Uh, of course, some news headlines as, as we are just getting closer and closer to WrestleMania. So there's there's all that excitement lingering in the air. Uh, perhaps new debuts finally going to happen. Uh, contract talks in AEW, uh, all that stuff going on in Wrestling Inc. Really looking forward to it. Big shout-out to our uh, sponsor, Manscaped. Big shout-out to all of you in the chat room who have been having a watch party for the last couple hours watching Dynamite together and now uh, patiently but excitingly waiting for Alfred and I. So a big appreciation to all of you guys. Of course, if you want to get into the uh, show and be the third co-host, just hit that super chat button and leave your comment. But, Alfred, let's talk some news. Let's uh, jump into what Wrestling Inc. has had. And uh, let's start with one of the more uh, comical stories that I've seen in quite a while. <laughs> yes. And that is if you see a split screen on the Steve Harvey uh, uh, court <laughs> show and you see Kevin Sullivan on one side and you see a man named Jim Morrison. Yes, the real name of longtime wrestling personality J.J. Dillon. They, I don't know if this was recent or if it's just now servicing, but nonetheless, it's news now. J.J. Dillon and Kevin Sullivan facing off literally in a split screen TV court battle uh, this Steve Harvey's court. And they basically argued over uh, $7,500. Uh, supposedly the story is here is that J.J. Dillon says that he loaned Kevin Sullivan $7,500 for a boat and that Kevin Kevin Sullivan ultimately never paid J.J. Dillon back, arguing the agreement was never in writing. There was never a specified time for the payment to occur. Uh, So Steve Harvey ruled in favor, said obviously $7,500 is owed to J.J. Dillon. But Steve Harvey is such a fan of pro wrestling, he said, He'll go ahead and pay it. What is that? I, I actually love that. I love everything about this story. I love two old wrestling carnies going back and forth in the court of law. It was just wild to see that play itself out on television. And, you know, I think this story is going to start to kind of build more and more buzz because it seems to just get more and more steam the more we go along from this. And I have to imagine that WWE is at least reaching out and putting a call to Steve Harvey's people, seeing if maybe he can make an appearance at WrestleMania or do a segment like this. But no, I love this. 
this is comical. It's entertainment. It is. Um, you know, you, <laughs> the leader of the you know, one-time manager of the Four yeah. Horsemen versus the Taskmaster leading the Dungeon of Doom, arguing over $7,500 over a boat. Uh, <laughs> they probably spent that at, at a strip joint back in the day on one night easily in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. It's just a very comical comical thing here. I don't know. Yeah, nobody went over in that match. So that, from that standpoint, it's disappointing. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you mentioned the WWE thing. Um, I mean, Kevin Sullivan, he's, he's been featured, I think, in a few documentary things, but he is mm-hmm. certainly, he's certainly one who really, by all accounts, since WWE has the freedom at once upon a time to use WCW guys or whatever, like Kevin Sullivan's kind of laid low by WWE standards of, of legends and, and archives. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't, but yeah, I think it, I think there's got to be something there. Uh, this story's got to be one of the most popular stories on the site today. Why wouldn't it be? I love it. All right. Uh, let's. Well, that was then. Let's talk about the now. Gable Stevenson. I'm sure you've been hearing his name a lot, as you should. Back to back NCAA uh, wrestling champion. Of course, we know that he's been signed to the WWE. He's been doing some training. They even uh, erected a ring there in Minnesota where he's going to school. And uh, now that he's won his back to back championships, Alfred, uh, he's done. With that portion of his amateur career, he's now ready to enter into the, the chapter of his pro career. Uh, we've heard some rumblings in the rumor mill that he might show up WrestleMania weekend or the night after WrestleMania. And then adding to that, Stevenson spoke to the MMA hour, um, as we know, to just retire from amateur wrestling, talking about how he's now focused completely on WWE. Uh, and he talked about how uh, some of the people he's been receiving advice from and, and who's staying in contact with him. He said, quote, all the time, yeah, uh, about Paul Heyman. He goes, I'm in contact with all of them, Triple H. Triple H reached out. He sends a lot of love for me. I think Triple H is really high on me, uh, and him and me have a good connection. He's a great dude. Nick Khan, he's another executive in WWE. He's a really good dude, too. He reached out. They all show a lot of love, and I think that's really, really cool. But perhaps the more notable quote, Alfred, is when he says, I'll start the day WrestleMania hits or after that. I mean, I don't know. Like, my exact start date is in the middle of April, so they're letting me finish school. But they'll let, they'll let me do my thing, and then Monday Night Raw will either come really soon or shortly after that. But I'm planning on getting on TV and getting in the ring on TV really, really soon, probably the next after WrestleMania. So Steve's might have to get a few classes about kayfabe. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they wanted it out there like that. And I'm actually pretty surprised if that is the plan. I've been hearing that, that they're just going to vault him to the main roster. I do think it's too quick. I do think that just watching NXT 2.0, you see the works in progress and just how difficult and complex it is to learn pro wrestling. Now, there's two schools of thoughts to this. Gable Stevenson's only other comparison in WWE history is Kurt Angle because he's the only other Olympic gold medalist. And as we all know, Kurt Angle took to this immediately. But you could also argue that that's the exception, not the rule. Same thing with Braun Breaker, who I think a lot of people are seeing Braun Breaker now and saying similar level of athleticism. Stevenson's a better athlete, especially if you look at how dedicated or decorated his career is. So you would imagine that he should be able to take to it quickly. But I don't think that's a fair bar to judge an amateur, like a legit amateur WWE superstar on. Yeah, I mean, the other parallel you could try to draw is a little bit of Brock Lesnar's path. Sure. Uh, But Brock obviously did get reps in OVW before getting his catapult launch on the main roster. So I, I think that might be a little bit more of the route that they try to go. Because um, you're right. I mean, Angle, you certainly don't ever want to have to, you know, we want your career to mirror Kurt Angle's or Brock Lesnar. You don't want that pressure that far, at least not publicly. Uh, but Angle didn't, you know, as for as decorated as Angle was, I don't think that in, what was that, 1999? I don't think, um, I don't think that he had the same kind of pressure on him. I think he. I think if you followed, if you followed, you know, you know, 
the amateur ranks of pro wrestling or pro the amateur ranks of wrestling um you, you and you follow the olympics you you knew who kurt angle was but he didn't have you know the, the business didn't have the kind of fanfare that it has now in the, in the respect of you know we weren't there wasn't major headlines and obviously the internet wasn't the same as what it is now of oh my god this person's been signed to WWE and the expectations i think i, I just so I, I think kurt angle kind of got to slide in mm-hmm. you know and, and kind of come onto the radar and then you know, it's like, okay, you know, the guy's technically going to be sound, but let's see, can he do the entertainment part of it? And of course he, he, he cleared that um, tremendously once he got comfortable in, in his own skin with the three eyes and, and, and everything else. So yeah, I think he has to go to NXT. I think Gable Stevenson needs to have a little bit of NXT time, but he's making it sound like that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how they do this. I mean, they could do something where they do both where he could just ease his way onto the main roster, but well, you know, we'll see. There's not a lot of doubt that I think he's going to end up being a good wrestler, but I mean, how many cases have we seen where WWE pushed somebody too fast too soon? And then they had to kind of catch up to their ability. Yeah. A lot of things to watch uh, right after mania as there always is uh, in terms of like, you know, we know that Veer is finally coming the night after yes. mania, you know, what, what kind of, you know, does he just do the old fashioned, give them three jobbers to squash in a night? Does he, does he, you know, do they try the Lars Sullivan approach where he tries to attack somebody of note? Um, and then, you know, Gable Steveson, you know, what path they go there. So a lot to watch, but, but Steveson basically all but confirming uh, that he is going to be on WWE TV within the next month. Somebody who's going to be remaining on uh, AEW TV for, the, for some time is Ethan Page, a fightful select, noting that Page uh, signed a contract accession with AEW. Uh, he had previously signed in early 2021. Uh, and a deal that uh, and a deal to extend that contract was actually reached later in the year. So uh, no more details, but uh, now it is becoming known that uh, Ethan Page uh, locked down for some time with AEW, which not a surprise here. I mean, he, he's being put with Dan Lambert, who uh, Dan Lambert. I mean, it's he's been a mainstay for what the last year. It's hard to believe that it's been a year, but he's been he's been a you know a pretty regular mainstay with his group, and uh, the two main f- focuses have been Page and Scorpio Sky. Uh, now they're expanding with. Page Van's aunt, so um, not surprised that Ethan Page would, would get locked down. He's, he is somebody, if you look at him and the way he works, the way he can cut a promo, he would be one that I could see uh, if WWE is starting to swing the door the other way and acquire some talent. Uh, he's one who I could see to be WWE-type uh, material. I could see that, too. And if you look at the body of work Ethan Page has in AEW, or lack thereof, unfortunately, I think that if you're an Ethan Page, you'd get frustrated just looking at that. And I do feel that he's just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle recently with all the talent there in AEW. However, to your point, if you look at moving forward, what's the next year going to be like? Like, he's resigning at the perfect time. I think he looks at the stable with Dan Lambert and Paige Van Zandt and the TNT champion Scorpio Sky, and he sees that this is probably going to be a – Pretty big deal, the heel stable, and it will be good to be associated with that. So I hope they have big plans for him. And uh, Dan Lambert and company would make their presence known tonight on Dynamite, which we will get to. <clears throat> Let's kick off Dynamite coming to you from Austin, Texas. And they advertise on Twitter what was going to be starting today. And they kick it off with a first time ever singles match between CM Punk versus Dax Harwood, of course, one half of FTR. Uh, this match, uh, a lot of fun if you're a pro wrestling fan. These two guys, especially if you're a, a historian of Bret Hart, there were some Bret Hart sequences mm-hmm. uh, in this match. Again, more uh, deep Easter eggs for the for the potential future of FTR and potentially a Bret Hart. Uh, we get a big suplex from the top. Dax on the Punk. We get Dax doing a diving headbutt. Uh, Punk hits a diving cross body, rolls it into an anaconda vice, but uh, Dax does get out. And eventually we see a GTS attempt. GTS attempt gets blocked into a sharpshooter by Dax. Uh, and uh, Punk will roll out and get out of the sharpshooter and eventually will lock the Anaconda Vice in again, getting uh, the win via submission. 
uh, a, a very solid match to start here. And again, kind of, um, you know, just, just showing off punk and, 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 and kind of furthering FTR. Uh, they are, they're out there as well. Uh, having a little bit of uh, war of words with the gun club or the ass boys, or as they would just say later, they're just going to call them Billy's sons. They're out there. They seem to be, they seem to be the next tag team. Uh, first off your thoughts on the match. And then we know that next week we'll have FTR versus the gun club, Billy in their corner. Is that a situation where FTR now needs their needs a new manager out there to even the odds? Yeah, 100%. I think uh, this match was very good. This is the type of match you show to somebody who hates AEW because maybe they've written them off as just being this flip-flop and fly thing. And if you're like a Jim Cornette type, I think somebody like that would appreciate just really what was a straight-up professional wrestling match, which CM Punk can get away with that because he's such a big star. He was so over with this crowd. And you knew they were going to be Bret Hart Easter eggs in this, not only because FTR teasing Bret Hart, but CM Punk has put Easter eggs of Bret Hart in damn near every one of his matches, you know, sometimes even his promos, uh, and, you know, how he feels about Bret Hart. So you know, I was kind of going out of my way to look for them and was not disappointed. So I thought they did a good job with this. In terms of um, the, the second half of this moving forward with the Gun Club and FTR, I anticipate long term or maybe even as soon as next week, the Gun Club replaces FTR and Pinnacle because, as we'll get to, uh, I guess Pinnacle Stable's not dead yet, but FTR clearly are going to be baby faces. Not only with the thing with the Gun Club, but you had Wheeler out there not interfering and being a heel, just kind of cheering his buddy on. So they were 100% baby faces by the end of this show. That's an interesting take, uh, but it makes a lot of sense now that you just kind of piece some of those things together. Uh, yeah, you're right. There was no. Um... Yeah, there was no heel antics. Uh, even when Wheeler came back out, you know, uh, it was just for complete support. Um, yeah, I, I could, I, I that 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 I could see that would that would be something that would make sense in terms of the swapping out of the pinnacle, which yeah, we will get to. So uh, interesting thing here, and and I guess if also if you're getting ready for a babyface turn, having a match that is kind of like an earning of respect match with Dax and Punk, um, you know, all that was missing basically was a handshake at the end, right? So, yeah. uh, and also I think should, should be known about the Bret Hart Easter eggs. I think today is the anniversary of the 1997 classic at Mania 13 between Brett and Austin, the mm. famous I quit match where Austin passes out. So, again, if you're a Bret Hart fan, this is a Bret Hart day. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Tornado Tag Match coming up next. The Hardys, Darby, and Sting up against Private Party, the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, this one, this whole thing should have been a picture-in-picture match because they were everywhere. Uh, <laughs> the director and the production truck trying to keep up with this one. Um, I mean, they fall all over the crowd. It goes into you know, Matt Hardy. Eventually, he kind of gravitates towards the stage, fighting with Private Party, uh, Darby and Sting and Butcher and Blade. They're fighting up into the concession stands. They finally get to the the T-shirt stand, and we're gonna see uh, Jeff Hardy. He's going to climb a ladder, which then gets onto a ledge. He's going to do a swanton bomb off the top of that ledge through the merchandise table. Simultaneously, Private Party and Matt Hardy go flying off the stage into uh, some rubbish. Andrade at some point comes out. He attacks uh, and is an extra man with us. There's no DQ in this thing, so might as well. Uh, but ultimately, though, uh, we are going to see Matt eventually get back into the ring. And Matt and Sting, kind of cool to see Matt Hardy and Sting in the same ring, hitting their finish at the same time. Twist of Fate and Scorpion Death Drop on each member of Private Party. So the good guys stand tall here. Uh, a fun match, Alfred. This, is, this, is, this, yeah. this, was, this was maybe one of the highlights uh, to me of, of the night. Definitely. I think the highlight was Jeff Hardy's dive, which was, you know, very impressive to watch from like a windowsill, 20 feet in the air. And it was just a crowd please match of four guys were very over his baby face. Um, and I thought they did well. I thought Sting was excellent in uh, how they used him. And uh, this was a fun match to watch. I mean, this most of this show was just pretty much straight up professional wrestling. 
Yeah, uh, it, it was one of those things where, like, I'm watching Jeff Klein. He's getting ready to do the stunt. I'm like, he just got there. <laughs> yeah. he, he's he, he's barely, uh, you know, he's he's barely got himself in the door and got his you know key fob uh, attached to his belt, and he's already jumping off of stuff. So, he's getting all his stuff in, man. Yeah, he is. Um, so this is fun. Um, yeah, and tornado tag. Look, I I joke that like every tag match in AEW is kind of like a tornado tag in terms of the rules. So I like it when they just flat out to say it's going to be a tornado tag because I have no problem just dropping mm-hmm. dropping any critique and saying okay it's all everything goes so I like this with these eight guys up next we get the varsity blondes up against Brian Danielson and John Moxley William Regal back out on the commentary table again and before we even get into the match uh, this is the second week in a row Alfred and it's I guess it's a nice touch it's kind of like you know, William Regal just always doing commentary during their matches allows him just to basically cut a promo the entire match um, and if you have William Regal, why are, you know, of course you're going to give him a mic every chance he gets. So I, I like, I do like this strategy so far that we're seeing. Me too. AEW is good at doing this. They do this with Team Taz too. Taz is his com- commentary for the matches, and he at least is very entertaining, I find, on commentary. And I think William Regal is very good from the standpoint of calling a pro wrestling match like it's an actual sport and just kind of giving all of these assessments, and you hear the coach's mind. And I always learn something watching William Regal talk about wrestling. So I think, I mean, if you saw him do this in NXT, you shouldn't be surprised at how good he's doing it now. Yeah, so the threat here is much like it was last week. It's how tough Danielson and Moxley are together, uh, that they're in this kind of uh, club with Regal, which we'll actually get a name for in a second. Or I think we got a name for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about, like, you know, who could they be scouting? Who, who could be – who could live up and cut the mustard, so to speak, with them? So, they're you know, commentary is asking Regal, well, what about Brian Pillman? You know, he's from Cincinnati like Moxley in the second generation. And, 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 and Regal's like, well, he's got – you know, he can have one good fight. He's got to show me more. And, and he, as to your point, he starts noting little things like, oh, that's a good thing that Pillman just did there. You see how he – he, he blocks the weight on the hip and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, really, really, really brings re- re- realism to, uh, to, to the art um, should be noted too. Don't let's not forget small little thing out there. Julia Hart is out there with the varsity blondes, but she still has her eye patch on from uh, the mist attack from house of black. And she is just sitting on the steps facing out, kind of just pouting. So uh, they're long-term selling Julia Hart and the effects there. Very long term, because I'm surprised they're still going with this. I completely forgot they were even doing this, but I guess they've got plans for it. I I, I, I kind of had the same thing, too. I was like, oh, yeah, she got she got the mist in the eye. Uh, so this match is going to end with, uh, uh, simultaneously, again, uh, Brian Danison uh, doing his stomps uh, while Mox is going to lock on a uh, rear naked choke on uh, Garrison. So uh, win for Moxley and Danison, no surprise there. The story out of this segment really kind of comes out of the promo afterwards. Moxie says uh, Regal's opinion is the only one that ever mattered to him, and of course he earned it. Um, he says that anyone who thinks that they can ride with them, there's no free passes, then you better reach down deep where you love pain. Uh, and they use the term, it, it basically, if you want to ride with us, if you want to stand with us, with the Blackpool Combat Club. Blackpool, of course, the, the town in England where Regal's from. So uh, are you behind the Blackpool Combat Club, Alfred? I like it. I think it sounds badass. It fits this group. They are. They're a violent group. Um, maybe too many syllables, but I like the name Blackpool. And hopefully when they're just trying to abbreviate it, they just call it Blackpool or the Blackpool Club. But, yeah, I like it. The, the BCC? BCCs. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll jump forward real quick before we get out of uh, out of this this part of the AEW universe. Uh, later on, we see a backstage segment uh, with Wheeler Yuta and the rest of the best friends. And basically, Trent just gets in Wheeler's face saying, I never liked you. You know, these guys, uh, you know, they let you sleep on their couch and help train you. And, and now you're, 
you know, you're out here trying to, you know, look cute and suck up to, to Regal and crew. And Yuta just simply has a very straightforward response. He says, I never liked you much anyways, either. He goes, but I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be the best friend that I can be. I'm trying to be the best wrestler I can be. And if you can't tell the difference, that's on you. So uh, still keeping it alive that Will or Yuta could be in the focus uh, as perhaps the next, uh, next inductee, the next scout uh, for this group. Is Wheeler Yuta the best option or is there somebody else that you're just looking at and you're screaming, this guy needs to get involved with the BCC? I'd like to see Lee Moriarty get involved with the BCC. I mean, Wheeler Yuta did get over, I believe it was last week, they did a good job with him, but this is just, you know, Dante Martin could be one, but I, I think I'm more interested in him with top flight, but uh, I think this is a good spot for Wheeler. I think he's doing a good job and I think he's most convincing in this role because he's somebody who theoretically has to prove himself. So I think this is more believable instead of having somebody who may be already over, like a Sammy Guevara, somebody who would be too qualified for a role like that. I think Wheeler Yuta is perfect for this spot. And I, I like the fact that they're making it seem like it takes a lot to join this club. It makes the club seem like it's more exclusive. And it's adding to Wheeler Yuta's story as he has like a journey to join this club. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really could have this fight club, like what are you willing to do, underground gang kind of mentality the same as which how Moxie and Brian came together, which is we got to bleed first. Like yeah. I can see that I can see that literally being kind of the path. It's like you got to have a match with Moxley and or Danielson, and and, and yeah, I don't know if you're gonna advertise blood, but again, kind of same premise is that we got we got to feel pain together before we're gonna you know have your back and stand aside you. So I love very reminiscent of soccer hooligans. I think is what they're kind of going for with this, and so I really like that stipulation that you you kind of got to get beat up to join the game. That's a fair call. That's a fair call. I like that. All right, well, up next we have MJF, who is probably the top in the promo world, especially in AEW. But as we talk about top of the world, let's talk about top of the male grooming world. Let's talk about our wonderful friends at Manscaped. That's right, they got a brand new, just launched ultra premium collection. And it's not just for the below the waist. No, 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 they do that wonderful, as we know. But they are also now, they're taking on the championship of above the waist. That's right, uh, brand new products just launched from Manscaped. All-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man that covers you from head to toe, literally. Uh, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And you can go to manscaped.com right now. Use the code WINC20 to save 20%. Plus, you get free shipping. We all know about the essential Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, we talked about the precise trim. And again, all that advanced skin-safe technology that's below the waist. That's all still applicable. That's all still in my bathroom and it's still being used. But now we can move north. Now they have a wonderful new set of uh, tools including the Manscaped Premium Deodorant. No, not for your balls. That's for those armpits. Got to get that going. The deodorant dries clear, aluminum-free, smells like their signature scent, which I love. Hydrating body moisturizer. Uh, again, for those of you with uh, you, the bad skin, irritable skin, uh, tattoos, this is designed really to keep your skin feeling clean, smooth, and fresh. Body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappas feeling moist uh that's four products and a gift inside of the ultimate ultra premium collection what a score all these products are cruelty free vegan friendly dye free so you uh zero compromise have zero guilt about the products that you're using uh, alfred i got some of them I, I know you probably got your shipment too i'm loving them so far thousand percent and it's almost april here in sunny california which means it's almost pretty much summer it always feels like summer but it's even hotter now and i definitely don't want my balls sweating so manscape is a lifesaver in that department yeah, and they always got wonderful packaging. Here, here is the uh, I got a couple copies, so I'm able to keep one here in the studio. Oh, the deodorant, uh, the hydrating uh, body spray. So just wonderful stuff. Uh, again, every time I get the Manscaped 
it's not like uh we gotta we gotta do that no it's 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 like it's like i just got a gift i got new products uh keeping the uh shaving bed keeping the shaving bed keeping the bathroom up to date and well equipped so again make sure you use the code winc20 you can save 20 percent and get free shipping that's a deal just go to manscaped.com they've been with us now for i don't know how many six straight months here on wednesday nights or longer and we thank them every single week uh, they're a wonderful partner, wonderful supporter. You guys are wonderful fans. You guys keep using them and we go around and around. It makes the world go. So thank you very much to manscaped.com. W I N C 20 use the code. All right. Back into AEW dynamite. And, uh, we talked about, like I said, top of the promo is going to be MJF. They advertise MJF going to come out. He's got some things to say. He comes out. He does have security out there facing the entrance way. He's not going to uh, have any, uh, Surprise attacks from Wardlow, or so we don't think. Um, he first addresses CM Punk. He says there will be another CM Punk match, and it will be an embarrassing loss for CM Punk. He said this isn't over. It doesn't end until I'm at Punk's funeral and I'm pissing on the grave. So out the out the gate, he's letting us know this is not done with Punk. What else is there to do uh, for for? I mean, we just had a dog come out. That's usually a match that's like the ultimate like finale to a feud. Yeah, but CM Punk versus MJF for the world title is the last stop. And CM Punk has been motioning with the championship, so you know that that's coming. And I think the sequence is going to be Punk wins the AEW title and then flips it to MJF. And that will be, uh, I don't know if he's going to beat MJF for the world title, but I do anticipate him winning it. And then maybe that embarrassing loss that MJF's talking about is when MJF does beat CM Punk, which hopefully will not be in Chicago. I do not support them burning the territory like that, but maybe some show down the line. Or CM Punk gets like a nice three month reign or whatnot. MJF wow. Takes it away. I mean, because I, I mean, granted, it doesn't have to just be world title. I mean, there is the TNT though, but I mean, like the world title at least is getting in a pretty crowded. I mean, as we'll get to mm-hmm. with Paige and Cole and and even the even the, the TNT title as we're going to get to in a little bit too with 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 Scorpio Sky and such. So, um, but that would be, I guess, that probably is a really good response. Though. If what's greater than this barbaric payoff match is is make it for the the title. So that's interesting. Uh, and He's getting ready to now pivot to Wardlow. There's no time. And he even said, I don't know when, I don't know where. It could be a year from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, so then he pivots over to Wardlow, uh, and he says that uh, Wardlow, he's now going to call Wardlow Pig, Piggy. He says Wardlow's a greedy pig. Uh, he said, if not for uh, MJF, people wouldn't know who he is. Uh, and how do you repay me, Wardlow? You repay me by uh, costing me an important match. Uh, says you signed an ironclad deal with the devil. Starts to talk trash on Wardlow's mom. Wardlow very open on social media and interviews about how close he is with his mom. Um, out comes Wardlow, who's not going to tolerate that. And all of a sudden, the, the six security guards turns into 12 security guards, all holding Wardlow back. Uh, MJF says, you don't work for AW, you work for me. I'm going to still pay you. I'm going to pay you to stay home until all these people forget who you are. Uh, and then caps it off with, there's rumors about the pinnacle. No, no, no. The pinnacle has never been better, never been stronger and talks about how they're going to pick that back up next week. A lot to unpack here from MJF. A lot of uh, three different storylines going on. Yeah, as is particular of MJF where he's always in the middle of a bunch of stuff. So this is very good. Thought this is excellent heel work from MJF. And if this is going where I think it is, I think the long-term story is MJF and Wardlow for that TNT title. I could see MJF and I'm surprised he didn't do this last week when there was a TNT title match, but the psychology behind having this contract over MJ Wardlow is that, okay, fine, you go win that TNT title, and when you do, you give it to me. 
Well, maybe they'll do something like that where when it comes time to give it to MJF, Wardlow has somehow been signed and you babyface Tony Khan by saying he signed, you know, Wardlow. So it's not your title, MJF. And I think that would lead to a Batista-like moment for Wardlow. Yeah, the the, the famous... Thumbs down. Uh, thumbs down. Uh, yeah, I mean, this... I like the fact that this is... Um, I mean, I, and it, this is different, but it, but it's logical. I mean, you know, if you got the guy on contract, that that's not new. But yeah, make him stay home. And, and, and eventually, yeah, somebody... I could see. I still think you know if they if they're not going to wait you know a year or something for the for the Punk MJF match. I just think that it would be the being that Wardo's babyface turn really started when he took on CM Punk, dominated Punk, you know, basically earning Punk's respect by the dominance, and of course gets it gets thwarted by MJF. I just think it would make that much more sense that we get Punk and, and MJF at some time in the future, maybe it's a double or nothing, but the stipulation being Punk says, I'm fighting for the freedom of Wardlow. Mm. And it kind of, you know, just a babyface move by Punk to free up Wardlow. Um, that, I mean, you know, again, if it's not a world title, that's, the, I mean, it's something, again, what can top dog collars maybe is you put that kind of a stipulation where, you know, if Punk wins, not only is it another Punk victory in MJF, but now MJF knows that the guy who wants to kill him is now loose that's and on the great. hunt. Yeah. So I don't know, uh, but it's fun. A lot, a lot to uh, again, a lot to kind of fantasy book, which which is which is good. It's very rich. Uh, this is a super chat from Sean Wiley. Uh, three questions here. He says, well, number one, what's the end game for MJF and Wardlow? Well, that's that's kind of what we just discussed. Yeah. I'll be curious what some of you guys in the chat room think it's going to be, but uh, they have not rushed this. They've been kind of teasing problems with MJF and Wardlow for well over a year, so not rushing it. Uh, number two, he says Statlander looks like a future member of uh, House of Black. Uh, I mean, she's she's changing her look a little bit and being a little less get a little less cartoonish a little more real um but i don't see her joining the house if anything i mean julia hart's i think the female we might watch yeah. for the house of black uh and number three uh will eddie kingston join up with moxley and regal oh that's a that's an interesting thought there alfred what do you think about that i hope not i think three's a crowd in the fact that moxley regal and danielson are all kind of playing coach's role with Danielson and Moxley being like player coaches and Kingston would also fill that role of the veteran. And I don't think you need four characters like that. And also it seemed like a step back for Eddie Kingston, who, if you're following his storyline arc as a character, he just had the biggest win of his career. Why would he go backwards and be what the third most over guy, the fourth most famous guy in this faction? I think Eddie Kingston's doing fine for himself. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think uh, it's, <clears throat> kind of weird to say it out loud, but I think you're right. It's it kind of would be, you know, saying, okay, you're, st- you're in a group with, led by Regal with Moxley and Dennison, but it is a step back after you just went toe-to-toe with Chris Jericho. Yeah. So we'll see there. Uh, Eddie Kingston, though, not uh, not on tonight, though. All right. Uh, I will say really quickly, I could see him recruiting them just as a one-off because there's an alliance there doing a match against the Jericho Appreciation Society. I could see him just recruiting it to help him fight his battle, but not necessarily joining the Blackpool uh, Combat Club. Yeah, I would agree with that. If they just need to even the numbers for a one-nighter, but I agree. It would be like Eddie Kingston seems like that's just not his style. He's not going to like I'm not he's not going to do something to earn into some club. That's just not his right. uh that's just not how he would go about things. All right, uh we get Adam Cole, the 11 and 1 Adam Cole up against the 10 and 2 Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's won 5 matches in a row somewhere under the AEW flag. He's <laughs> he's won it. That's the stat. So. That's the stat. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, this, I mean, a fun match here. Two, two. I mean, this is obviously, if you're an ROH fan, this is a great callback. Um, Cole hits a Panama Sunrise, and again, it's not a three; it's a, a, a false finish. Stop this! Yeah. The Panama Sunrise is an awesome, innovating, painful-looking move. 
I don't want to say, unless you are on like a major, major main event match and it's one of those where you're going three or four deep and kicking out of finishes, I don't want to see people kick out of this. I know it's technically not his, I know he uses the, the whole knee, the here comes the boom, but it drives me nuts to see this. Don't use it then if you're going to let people kick out of it. Don't use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the move itself should be saved for special occasions, I think. And yeah, once you see it get kicked out of it's like moves like this. You know, moments like this is what kind of, you know, I was mentioning old school fans not liking AW because of moments like this. But, you know, they would love the kind of old school type of wrestling that they have in the opening match. But, you know, I still thought it was a very good match. I thought both of them did well. I thought for a guy who was you know, on TV, what, once a month, Jay Lethal was very well received by this crowd. And you know, maybe they'll do something with him, but I, I thought this was good. Yeah, uh, the finish comes here where uh, Lethal does duck that boom knee and rolls up uh, Cole. Red Dragon's out there. They distract, and that allows Cole to hit the low blow and then the knee. And then post-match promo, Cole says, nobody deserves on this planet more than me that world title. Matt, uh, that world title uh, says Hangman Page stole a victory at Revolution, says the Hangman fears him. Uh, says Hangman doesn't want to come out and even face me. Of course, that's a obvious invitation for Hangman to make it to the ring. Uh, so he comes to the ring here, and it's it's it, you know it's again it's him versus you know he he has a, a, a pants belt. He lashes all three of the guys, gets the upper advantage for a moment, but then the numbers game three on one overtakes it, and then here comes Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Christian. They just run off Cole. Cole, mind you, who steals the world title belt and is leaving the arena with it. Um, I don't know about you. This, none, nothing in the segment did any favor. I mean, okay, yeah, Hangman Page comes out there and stands up three on one against them. But like, I don't know. This this feels like, this, I don't know. This I, I feel like Hangman Page's numbers are, days are numbered. That's the chance. Yeah, I can see it. And it kind of is the universe aligning for this CM Punk and Adam Cole's and ROH type rivalry that they can play off of that ROH library with both these guys and i could definitely see if the plan is for cm punk to get that title and i think it is uh, especially by september i could see him doing it against an adam cole and um, him winning the next time he faces hangman on a page is going to give him some time with that title because i know they don't like having these champions always flip the titles after a quick run yeah i mean if you ask me what's a bigger match what's a match that's going to do more of a pay-per-view draw for the world title is it Champion Hangman Page defending against CM Punk, or is it champion Adam Cole defending against CM Punk? I, I think it's Cole versus Punk, personally. I think that's yeah. a bigger match. And I think just especially as a heel, and especially it would be a much more natural story, and uh, you know, I think more of an emotional moment if CM Punk was able to overcome Adam Cole than have a babyface, babyface match with Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I saw a, a comment here. Uh, Monkey says, you guys are crazy. The plan is for Kenny versus Cole. I mean that could uh, that could be because obviously we still have the Bucks factor, but I, I don't know. I, I think that might be pending Kenny's timeline of, of recovering from injuries and recovering from uh, a two year stretch of being a workhorse for the company. Yeah. yeah, two things can be true. I think down the line they are going to be doing Kenny and Cole, and I think it'll come in the form of Kenny Omega evening the odds against Adam Cole and his team of the Undisputed Era or, or whatever they are right now. So I, I could absolutely see. Kenny coming back to challenge Adam Cole, but that might be a while away because he's having all kinds of surgeries. Yeah. So we'll keep watching, but um, yeah, the world title picture, uh, you know, again, uh, double nothing's the next big show in May, uh, but they have, obviously they will do world title matches on dynamite. So it's hard to say what the checkpoint of time, timeline checkpoints are going to be. So we'll keep, keep watching on that. All right. Well, that's the AW world title. Let's talk about the TNT title. We get Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti in the ring. 
Uh, they basically cut to the chase of Ty, cutting a promo on Paige Van Zandt saying, uh, bitch, you're going to get your ass kicked like you mm-hmm. do in your MMA career. This brings out Dan Lambert with all ego, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Dan Lambert noted he is the co-TNT champion. Yes! He has the one title around his waist <laughs> while Scorpio is donning the other one. Uh uh, makes note about Paige Van Dan- Page Van Zant says if you want more of her, you you know Ty Conti, you can spend the nine ninety nine, and you can see why uh, Orange Cassidy has his hands and his pants all day long. Basically referring to <laughs> Paige Van Zant's uh, OnlyFans account. Uh, he calls Sammy Tiny Tim. He calls uh, Ty Conti uh, Lucha Horace. Uh, but Sammy's gonna get the last laugh as just as, as Dan is finishing his his roast, he gives a nice big old kiss to his TNT title belt. And Sammy says, we all know that we've been living rent-free in your head, but uh, if you only knew what Ty and I did with that belt, now we're living in your mouth. Uh, which Ty Conti would then tweet an image a few minutes later on Twitter of her and Sammy naked in a bed uh, with, yeah. just, with just the title belt. See, that needs to be on OnlyFans. We're talking about OnlyFans. I was Paige Van Zandt. Like, that can uh, be on OnlyFans, and I think do very well in terms of uh, movie product. Don't give that away on Twitter for free, but... Uh, very interesting. What do you think they did do with the belt outside of all of that? Oh, I, As I look up Ty Conti, what's Ty Conti's Twitter account? This, this is, I don't know. I don't know how graphic we can get on the show, but I mean, use your imagination. Uh, Ty <laughs> Conti's uh, Ty Conti is uh, at Ty Conti, and then an underscore. She tweeted about okay. tweeted about an hour ago. Very wild. So. Go check it out for yourselves, folks. Uh, this is kind of, an, I mean, look, this is a quick pivot, but I like it. I mean, you know, Dan Lambert and them just, just a matter of weeks ago, we're trying to cut promos with Brandy Rhodes, and then obviously uh, you know, all the behind-the-scenes things broke down there. So the pivot, as somebody who was right there with Cody uh, and fighting Cody for, for a title uh, and Sammy Guevara. So I'm okay with this. Uh, I think Sammy, I, I don't know. I don't know how long this, I, I don't know how long a Sammy Ty babyface run is going to, how many miles are going to get out of that? None. I mean, I don't know how many miles they will get. Uh, God love them for trying, but the long-term plan or even the short-term plan has to be these two as a heel couple. I mean, I don't think it's a hundred percent fair. I'm just reading the room and the zeitgeist of what this is. People want to hate these two. Okay. Yeah. It's the edge and leader thing in modern day. And again, I don't want to support this from the standpoint of real life and how people treat Ty Conti in real life. As a storyline, if you want to get mileage and make these two superstars, they got to be heels. They've got to be the obnoxious couple, public displays of affection. You kind of saw a little bit of heel uh, antics, but they are the baby faces for now. But all I can think is, man, this company will print money if they market these two as heels. I, I tend to agree. And uh, it's kind of like the unspoken thing in the room right now of like, just let these let these two be heels. But we're going we're gonna to try to counter and put them up against a, a for sure heel act and Dan Lambert and company. So. We'll see how long they run with it. Sean Wiley, uh, another another little bit of questions here. He goes, who wins, Swerve or Starks? Or Swerve and Ricky Starks uh, taking on each other at Rampage. Uh, Starks has got powerhouse Hobbs behind him. Swerve might have Keith Lee behind him. What do you think of that? I think uh, Swerve's going to win. Hopefully they can expand outside of these uh, titles that don't count. But I see Swerve Scott and Ricky Starks having a good match and Swerve winning the FTW Championship. Uh, number two, Sean says, Hook, first really big feud. Is it Starks or Dan Lambert, Goons, or the House of Black stable? That'd be really good. Well, no, I mean, Hook's a – I mean, what is Hook? I mean, I, I, I mean, I look at Hook, even though he's getting a whole lot of cheers, he's still technically a heel, right? I mean, he's from yes. Taz. he's technically a heel. I just think 
Uh, yeah, the way he's booked as a babyface, though, I really do think he's like like early Goldberg. Well, Goldberg was not necessarily catering to the crowd. He was really acting like a heel, wasn't talking, was kind of surly, but people loved him for it. So I think he he's a babyface who's acting like a heel. Yeah, this might this might be an interesting story to watch. You know, to all that point is you know, obviously Hook is the real life son of Taz. Taz really, really wants his team Taz to get over his heels and be monster heels. And they, they've kind of just fallen and settled somewhere in the mid card. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see the backstage creative and, and conversation of like, is Taz willing to, he can't have both. He can't manage a rising babyface hook and still be the leader of team Taz, unless it's like, He's trying to get Hook to join Team Taz. Hook wants to be a loner. But what I'm saying, eventually he's going to have to dump one or the other. I'd have to suspect he wants to be the manager, the, the real on-screen manager of his son, especially if he's seen his son's getting more over than Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, or Brian Cage ever did. Yeah. But but then if Tony Khan says, okay, well, if you're going to go with Hook, you've got to drop your faction. you got to, you know, so I'll be interested to see what, what ends up being chosen as time goes on. Yeah, I'd be fine with that because they do need to go their separate ways. And I think people would identify with Taz – sticking up with the sun. I hope they don't do overthink themselves and have Taz be, you know, I'm going to bring the downfall of my own son for, you know, it's very yeah. hard to convince people of these family feuds like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, so yeah, and Hook, uh, I think, I think they advertised for Rampage this Friday. Hook's getting his like certification from QT. QT Marshall. I mean, they, he's like a good hand roll, but this guy is very entertaining and he's, he's better than people think. I know he's kind of more of an office guy and auxiliary, auxiliary, but I, I think it's very funny that and I, I think this is guaranteed to be a home run segment. So check out Hook if you haven't been watching Friday Night Rampage. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's hook is like quietly making rampage like his show <laughs> pretty much that's and i like that that's kind of his niche right now is that you're gonna get a hook match and they're really building him up as a star up next with the women's match uh legit layla hirsch versus red velvet this one they you get about a minute's worth of brawling outside before they even get in the ring and hit the bell they're uh, ramming into the barricades um pretty physical match from these two ladies uh layla though she goes underneath the ring grabs a piece of the turnbuckle goes to hit red velvet with it but the ref sees it ref takes that away and as the ref is getting that piece out of there layla pulls out another piece of the turnbuckle that she had in her tights and uses that to hit red velvet uh and and she gets the win and then post-match she's got an arm bar locked in until chris statlander comes out and statlander and layla have at it so uh you know a nice little physical match here uh the finish i mean like it is what it was, and there's an, I have another complaint about a finish of ref tackles later, but I thought the match, though, I liked the way it was laid out. I liked the physicality that happened uh, before the bell even rang. I think that, that just kind of ups the ante and ups the heat all right there. Very interesting, because I noted two ref instances, but I think we're going to have a disagreement, because I actually liked how well thought it was in terms of them not necessarily burying the ref, but making the heel look slimy, because I think what you're referring to is Layla Hirsch having two turnbuckles, going in there with one of them, and the referee this shot by taking away. And so you're kind of thinking, okay, this heel came up with a dastardly plan more so than the ref is getting buried, especially because ref didn't make a face like, I don't know about this. So, you know, your thoughts? Well, no, this, so there was two ref things. This, this one is the less, like this one, I'm like, I could get more behind. And you're, to your point, Jim Ross did even say on commentary, Bryce Ramsberg's mm-hmm. he counted three, but he's got a puzzling look about what just happened. Um, so I'll buy that. There's one later that they, when we get to the main event, then I was just kind of like, what? But uh, 
Okay. Uh, but Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. Uh, there was two women's, you know, two all women's uh, segments uh, in in this show. This being the first, which I like this match. The next one, probably the the downer of the entire night, of where I was just like, what did that? What was that? Uh, Thunder Rosa, newly minted and newly crowned champion, Thunder Rosa, who has her big moment in San Antonio last week, beats Britt Baker in this barbaric main event. There's not a big parade on Dynamite. There's, no, she gets a, let's hear from the new champion. She comes out to the stage, doesn't even get a sentence out. Vicky Guerrero interrupts her, uh, says, you're not really from Texas. That's an insult. Take your fake green card. Get out of here. Just distracting her until Nyla Rose can attack her and... I, like I was like, I mean this 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 was terrible for Thunder Rosa. Terrible booking. Terrible for AEW. You look at the moment they had last week is going to be remembered forever. It's going to be one of those moments that over time people are always going to remember the night that Thunder Rosa won that title in a steel cage. This is like one of the moments you're going to build your foundation of the company around. And so you would think that the follow up for that after you've essentially made a star and you know she's been a star but you really made thunder rosa that night the follow-up has to be in consideration i would expect her to start the show with a speech about her being from texas and whatnot and they just kind of played it for laughs and it seemed like it's just a very bad wwe segment in aew and i think that made it even more egregious yeah and then like to take a step further i'm thinking like okay Britt baker just had this incredible title run which has like a certain amount of like stock and then like when you beat a really credible champ when you beat a champion that has a hell of a run you know it, it's it's like a fund that you've inherited you know thunder rosa inherited all that i and i a part of me thought like i wonder what brit thought when she watched the segment tonight she's like i did all that work yeah <laughs> with thunder rosa for that to be the next week's follow-up <laughs> like really yeah um yeah so I, I don't know about that one that was a, a real kind of downer uh just before we get into the main event which was a tag match uh, and it was uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society being represented by Jericho and Daniel Garcia going up against Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Earlier in the night, they show a real photo of John Silver from like 16 years ago of him going to a autograph session and meeting Chris Jericho. So they put a little real life into that. And that was kind of fun because a lot of this match was Jericho and John Silver's interactions. And uh, John Silver, uh, you know, him and Reynolds, uh, the start of the match had a lot of tandem work, really taking down Jericho. Um, at one point, as they've sent Jericho to the outside, Jericho's frustrated how he just he can't get a leg up. He kicks the steps in frustration. This is my ref issue here. I, I hate – Jim Ross calls it an audio, audio disqualification. <laughs> Jericho kicks the steps. Aubrey Edwards, the referee, didn't see anything, but she hears the steps go afoul. And so then she then points at the other Dark Order members that are there at ringside and throws them out. I've never understood refs using audio of – like. This is a house show thing too. You see with tag teams, where where the refs distracted because the babyface wants to get involved. He sees the double team going on, and rather than take the time to go tag each other, they'll do the, and then the ref will turn around and say that she heard the tag. It's like, I'm like no, yeah. like, like that's like well, what was it? An umpire going, well, I didn't see if it was a strike, but it sounded pretty good at the angle it went into the catcher's mitt. Like no, uh, oh, I I heard the whoosh of the net. I'm pretty sure it was a three-pointer just by the way. Like, no, you see things with your eyes, referee. I mean, I hate this spot. Yes, and I could see you hating that spot, but to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I think the other ingredient is the fact that Jericho sold it so much that you could argue that him doing that uh, led to the referee making such an egregious uh, decision. So if in your basketball example, you hear the swish, and if the other team starts celebrating like they made the basket and they didn't, 
I think the heat does direct to the other team. Like these bastards know that that's not what happened. Uh, so I do think that that's what Jericho was going for. And I'll put it out there. I understand it's like, okay, Dark Order rolls deep. So it wouldn't make any sense for just two of them to come out for the match. Obviously, they're going to come out in some numbers because they know that Jericho and company are going to have numbers. And they wanted to keep Jericho and company out there to be part of the and to be part of this awesome sequence, which maybe was one of the funnest sequences of the night. Uh, John Silver ends up just going like a, a, a wrecking ball and one by one takes out everybody who's out there. It was an awesome sequence. Then followed up by Reynolds and Silver doing stunners and to all kinds of maneuvers and almost gets a pin. It was awesome. But this was a really fun part. So I understand if they're looking for a reason, how do we get the baby faces isolated? So this was their answer. So, you know, I understand why it's being done. I just, again, don't like the audio disqualification thing, but nonetheless, I think silver it, was great. I think silver stole this whole match. I think he really did after he guy. was the wrecking ball. I mean, the people were going nuts and then mm-hmm. he hits, he hits whatever he hits and one, two. And when it kicks out, the people were like, they, they thought they, they wanted John silver to get the win there. I mean, um, AEW's got something here with John Silver. Just- they absolutely do. They, I was just kind of thinking this would be a real cool story for him to have like an underdog chase for for a championship and just see you know see what he does for for a while. But I'd, I'd like to see him elevated in more singles situation. Yeah. So ultimately, the finish is going to come here, where it looks like the heels are in trouble, but Garcia is going to grab the ref just as he grabs the ref while selling a move. Jericho is able to hit the, the baseball bat Reynolds in the back. Uh, that's going to force Reynolds uh, to then be caught up in the Scorpion Deathlock from Garcia, and he's going to tap. Uh, so Jericho and company uh, get the win, stand tall, as you'd think they would with the, the Jericho Appreciation Society being uh, just a week old. Uh, I've asked this several times. I'll ask it again. Was this the right call in hindsight to be the main event? No. No, no, I don't think so at all. I'm, you know, you could have even maybe done the Adam Cole J Lethal match, but I thought, by the way, this whole show was just a very skippable show in terms of not really missing anything in storyline developments. Just a lot of matches are good. I thought the best part of the show was a crowd. I thought the crowd was great there in Austin or Cedar Park, but you know, a, a very paint by the numbers show, really. Yeah, I mean, looking back, that's, that's a good point. If you kind of look back, it's like if, if somebody says if somebody didn't see the show. Is there anything that if they watch next week that they're going to be completely lost on? Uh, and the only thing I could say, and you'd probably figure it out, is just, well, MJF said that Warlow's got to stay him. So if you didn't see Warlow on TV for the next like week or two, and you're going, what the hell? Right. Okay, you should have tuned in and heard that he's being sent home by MJF. But literally, you know, Cole, I mean, you know, Cole's still trying to go after, you know, go after the world title. I mean, Layla Hirsch, Layla Hirsch has now turned her back on her friends, Red Velvet and Chris Statlander. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. It's from a, from a headline standpoint, you know. Yeah. But again, some fun sequences that we highlighted: John Silver being that uh, Jeff Hardy Swanton dive. Uh, if you're a Bret Hart fan, you'll love the Punk Dax match. So, it, depending on what you want, if you haven't seen the show and you're looking to, for a uh, referral from Alfred and I, there those are the the reasons to watch if you need them. Uh, so that's that. So there will be next week, I believe, in Columbia, South Carolina. Will AEW Dynamite? We'll see where they pick up from things. Alfred, any final thoughts in the world of AEW? Uh, not necessarily. Just uh, it was an okay show. A very, very okay show. Very okay show. Yeah. Um, here in Wrestling Inc., uh, tomorrow night's Thursday. Thursday's kind of in the grab bag. Well, tomorrow night, Thursday night, we're taking it over. Chair Shot Reality Reunion today. Well, it's still Wednesday here on the East Coast, uh, March 23rd. It's been exactly 1,200 days since the last Chair Shot Reality uh, video was published um, in December of 2018. So tomorrow we bring back a one night on the reunion to talk about WrestleMania, to talk AEW. Uh, all, all of you, just like you are for this, can watch 
and take part live. We're really, look, really looking forward to that. Uh, that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on the Wrestling Inc. channels. And, of course, you can watch it after the fact if you can't make it live. Uh, Alfred, anything you got going on Forbes you want to talk about? Yes, coverage of AEW Dynamite. Check out my story on Valentino Khan being the first ever DJ to perform at WrestleMania. Uh, and I'll have some stuff uh, later on this weekend. Very good, very good. He's at This Is Nasty. I am at Justin LaVar. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. Make sure you tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And we will be back next Wednesday after Dynamite here on Wrestling Inc.